you know, when, when you know something is right and you know that you know, then it doesn't matter if anybody else knows or not. Mm. And it doesn't matter what the consequences are. You have to do what you know is right. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kev Rogers here. This is an interview I've been planning in my head for a very long time. And I want to give full disclosure. Uh, if there's a such thing as journalistic integrity <laughs> when hosting a podcast, I want to apply some of it now and just let you know up front that Jesse Elder is a man that I have hired to coach me. And it is one of the greatest investments I've ever made in my business. So I'm, I'm giving you some insight to this because I'll let you know right now, I'm a huge fan of what this man does. And it, it gives me great joy to share uh, who Jesse is and what, he, what he's about with a larger audience. Because uh, one of the amazing things about Jesse is that everybody sort of knows him, but until it's time to really get to know him, most people have really no clue what the man does. <laughs> so, uh, and I think that's very much on purpose. So Jesse Elder, thank you so much for being with me today. Kevin, it is an honor and a pleasure, man. I know we've both been counting the days to, to this happening. We've had so many amazing conversations and hangouts and, and everything uh, outside of this. And this just yeah. feels like, like picking up where we left off in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure, man. Really appreciate it. I'm going to just dive right into the deep end of the pool because that, that's where you live, Jesse. Share with me, I know you're very close with your family and your dad, Jack. If you had to give me one, what, what's the most important lesson that you learned from your dad? Man, I love this. You know, I literally, five minutes ago, I just updated my, my temporary profile pic on Facebook to a picture of he and I from like 15 years ago or maybe almost 20. Mm. So funny, man. <laughs> wow. So yeah. So here's, here's the deal. Uh, hands down, greatest lesson that I learned from my dad is, um, and I'm obviously paraphrasing my own interpretation of this. This was probably nothing he you know, verbally said. Um, you know, when, when you know something is right and you know that you know, then it doesn't matter if anybody else knows or not. Mm. And it doesn't matter what the consequences are. You have to do what you know is right. And, um, and I watched that play out time and time again, sometimes um, in, in just incredibly glorious, um, you know, borderline like Hollywood fashion and, and other times in, in ways that were very hard, you know, very hard on him, on, on, um, you know, on, on our family. And, but through all of it, that theme was just there. He's, he's the most principled person um, that I've ever met. And, um, and I've, I've applied the, to the best that I can. I've applied those principles in my own life and in my own business. And as, uh, you know, as the saying goes, it's not a principle until it costs you money. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just, hands down, man, that, that, that thing, I mean, seeing him take leave of, uh, leave his job as a school teacher in San Antonio where, where, uh, where we were living 
and uh, take a leave of absence and go and take a position as a director for a halfway house for Central American refugees in the, in the early 80s. And, uh, you know, it was something like a $500 a month stipend or I don't remember the exact number, but it was very volunteer driven. And in uh, a couple of months later, it was getting indicted and then uh, got arrested and ended up getting sentenced mm. for uh, aiding and abetting legal aliens. And throughout the entire thing, press conferences at our house. And you know, I woke up one day and there's just a field of reporters outside this trailer that we lived in. And, and through the whole thing, he was just very centered and just very, you know, my, my memory of it is that he was just very centered and said, this is what needs to happen. These people are going to die. They're not economic refugees. They're not coming here for jobs. They're leaving because of, of the you know, U.S. foreign policy. And if they stay, they're going to be killed. And they're in our backyard geographically. And I feel a responsibility to help them. And I'm going to do that. So if that's a crime, then arrest me. Wow, man. And, and how old are you at this time? Uh, I was nine, ten, nine, mm. ten years old. Incredible. And, and so did he talk to you a lot about those decisions and what it meant then? Or is he just helpful in explaining this is why this is important? And you, Yeah. Kind of, yeah. You know what, man? I, I just got chills over my whole body when you, mm. when you asked that question. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't remember a, a specific single conversation where he mm. sat down and said, this is what's right. This is what he just did it. Mm. He just did it. And it was such a part of our, our community growing up and such a part of our culture. And there's volunteers coming in from all over the world to help with this sanctuary movement. And it, there was just so many, you know, there's a lot of facts mm -hmm. and, you know, presentations and speakers that, um, you know, but I was treated as an adult for as long as I can remember. So it was never like you kids go in the other room. Yeah. No, I mean, I was, you know, sitting there with defense attorneys and, and, um, you know, and Salvadoran refugees and, and kids who are missing fingers because the, you know, the, the death squads would come in and take their fingers in front of their parents. And wow. there was just nothing that was off limits. And so it wasn't a, a real, um, you know, like, let's sit down and explain what's happening. Right. It was more of a, this is what we're doing. And uh, it was just, just, just wonderful. Incredible. Wow. Um, you know what? This is what I love, Jesse. One of the things about you, you talk about an original, because if I look at your life in bullets, what I know about it, uh, I, I would say in, in, in there, there's certain elements where I'd go, oh, that's that's more a characteristic or an activity of somebody who's who's maybe running from something. But I think your your motivation is always that you're drawn to something. And what I'm Thinking of specifically is the fact that you used to do fight club style competitions, very, yeah. very raw. You know, this is the stuff of movies and most people don't even know that this really goes on in the world. But tell me a little bit about those kind of, you know, structured brawls that you used to take part in and what drove you to that and what you took from it. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and I, I really appreciate your your distinction there about you know running from something versus running towards something, and I've certainly had my share of both of those, um, and and those fights, which I'll, I'll get into in a second, <laughs> they were they were uh, horribly amusing. It was just it was uh, it was a very interesting chapter, but I also have felt the third compelling force. You know, the, the you know the one you know moving away from something, the other is moving towards something. And I, and I increasingly over my life and, and just continuing to this day, 
have always felt the third, um, a third force. And, that, and that's more of a feeling of, of being pushed by something, you know, mm. compelled by something. And uh, call it intuition, call it the universe, call it. Oh, I think I lost it. I, just... I, guess, I guess there's a lot of. There, there, there we are. I think we're back. Okay. Um, there, there's a lot of, you know, whatever you want to call that, that compelling force. Um, it, I've just always felt like, shit, man, this is what I have to do. And certainly, um, you know, the, those fights were, uh, were a huge part of it. I was a bouncer, um, which it, you know, that's <laughs> six foot three, 147 pounds, yeah. not, the, not the ideal career, but you know, Hey, I never went to high school, so I never had a high school guidance counselor to set me straight. So, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was always my question, man. It's like, you know, I, I kind of secretly wanted to go to high school and have a high school guidance counselor. So I could say, if you know so much about making great career decisions, why are you a high school guidance counselor? <laughs> yeah, your clip on tie. Was that the dream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nine to five. God, please. <laughs> if only. If only. Yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, so I was a bouncer, and, um, and I'd been doing martial arts my whole life since I was a kid and, and uh, competing and, and loved it. But uh, a friend of mine had gotten involved in, in uh, jiu-jitsu, and this is back when it, was, it wasn't even, it wasn't jiu-jitsu or Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it was Gracie jiu-jitsu, because they were the only ones that, was, that were teaching it. Mm. And, uh, and he started training in it and, and flying out to California and training with Hoyce and Hickson and Horian and those guys. And then he'd come back to Texas, and, uh, and I started working out with him. So, you know, the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, and I knew just enough jiu-jitsu to tap anybody else out. So I thought, wow, this is really cool. I loved the, the, just the reality of it. You know, there was, no, there was no debate about who won. There was no, no, well, that was a point. Oh, that wasn't a point. You were inbounds. You were out of bounds. None of that. I mean, favoritism doesn't exist. None of that shit. And it was binary. You either won or you lost. And I freaking loved that about, about uh, you know, that, that style of training. So the club that I was a bouncer at, they started having these fight nights on Thursday nights and they'd, they'd roll these wrestling mats out on the dance floor and they would ha typically have uh, like two, there'd be two clipboards or two signs by the bar. One was the drink specials and one was to sign up to fight. And people frequently use those clipboards in that order. And <laughs> get a little bit buzzed and think, Oh my God, I just remembered I'm a badass. <laughs> they, yeah. put, they put their name down. And uh, yeah, so I, I just thought, man, you know, if I'm going to dedicate my life to teaching martial arts and ostensibly teaching people how to protect themselves physically, and yet I've never been in a fight. I've just been in a bunch of tournaments. I either have to find out if this stuff actually works or I have to stop teaching because I'm going to be out of integrity. Mm. And it was a real, it was like a moral issue. You know, I can't just keep, sharing sharing stuff you know uh, that i don't that i don't know if it works so i signed up and i fought on that very first night and uh man i was so scared <laughs> i was like god is it am i just gonna get destroyed and um i honestly don't remember very much of that first match uh, i do remember the guy was a uh, a self-professed ninja which i kind of doubt because i could actually see him but, <laughs> but, but he, he came out in these, uh, you know, like camouflage pants and, and uh, wild hair, and and uh, the guy he was he was a character, good guy, really good guy, but definitely a character. And we uh, we got into it. He he ran to take me down, which I was happy with because I was the jujitsu guy, and ended up tapping him out a couple minutes later. And it was I was instantly addicted to the 
uh, again, that binary nature, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not about theory. It's about results. And I ended up fighting the second guy and, and he was just a brawler, a street fighter guy, but he'd never really been, been tagged before. And so that, that changes people's perspectives pretty quickly too. So I won, I won that first night and, uh, and went on to, to enjoy an entire summer of, of, um, of competitions and, and, uh, very foundational as I look back, very foundational in, in shaping a lot of my perspective and a lot of the things that I appreciate in this world. Um, theory that doesn't produce results is to be shunned and, mm -hmm. uh, and decimated yeah, yeah. In, in my opinion, in my opinion. And, uh, and that's like going back to marketing. That's why I, I have a lot of respect for people who can get results. Um, but I also wonder, you know, after you, after you, you know, when you turn the cameras off and you finish showing all of your, your beautiful lifestyle, you know, then what does your life look like then? You know, like a, let's, let's have a, a behind the scenes, you know, what is the life of an internet marketer? What is the life of, a, of an entrepreneur look like? You know, once that green light goes off, I've always yeah. been curious about that. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And a nice segue because another thing you did recently that I found fascinating and we haven't had a chance to talk about is your, your tour. You went on tour, oh, and, and this to me represented two things that are so characteristic of you. Number one is you're amazing at removing all the friction between what motivates you, what excites you, and what helps you help other people. So meaning you don't have elaborate sales funnels, and you don't have all this tech in the way. You essentially run your business with your cell phone. Yes. Uh, and all the capabilities that we have in our pocket now, which, which you and I celebrate very yes. often on Facebook. So that was one. And then, and, but then you took it on tour and you, so you brought us along uh, through the phone, you just set up, but you're setting up these meetings and talk about walking your talk. I mean, you're saying, Hey, I'm coming to San Diego. I'm coming to uh, Miami or I'm coming to all these towns and come meet me. Let's just get in a room together. Let's, yeah. Let me, let me show you what I do in real time. And w as far as I know, no real agenda beyond that. Just to, like, nope. so tell me about it and tell me how it turned out and what, you know, what things happened that you maybe didn't expect. And Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. That, that feels like a, <laughs> like a lifetime ago, even though at the time of this recording, I think it was probably about six, seven months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, Again, that that compelling force, you know, just that thing that that you're supposed to do that that uh, you know for whatever reason it won't won't get out of your head, and I and I've learned not to be nagged by those things. I've learned to be to be powered by them because those ideas that come from the ether or you know wherever ideas come from, same place that songs are written from, same place that poetry comes from. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the same place that babies come from. Frankly, you know, it's just like that. That's this pure potentiality that gets born through human creative expression, and that this idea wouldn't let me go. And it was like, okay, I want to, I want to share, I want to, um, I want to interact, I want to engage. Um, and it was, it was really, it didn't feel like, you know, hey, come and come and hang out with me. It was more like, hey, let's let's all hang out and see what happens. And so it was like this action improv philosophy. You know, I have no idea what's going to happen. It was completely unscripted. And I just made up a little PDF on, uh, on my phone, actually, on, on uh, pages. <laughs> and I did a little mm -hmm. PDF and 
just picked a bunch of dates in 19 cities in, in six weeks and posted that on, on Facebook and said, hey, you know, if, if, uh, if you're in town or, or you want to get to one of these towns, I'd love to see you. And dude, it was the single most fulfilling project that I've ever done in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It was 19 cities in six weeks and just booking one way tickets. Uh, I, I just got the, this routine down where I, I would fly into a town. Um, most of the time would have somebody who I knew or somebody that, that I was connected with through Facebook. Most of the times people I hadn't met before, but you know, who we were connected through Facebook, they'd pick me up at the airport or, or uh, you know, meet me at the hotel. I sometimes just book the place that I was staying at or, or even presenting at that day while I was on the way. And then I just post on Facebook and say, Hey, here's where we're going to be. See you guys there. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases we had tremendous support from local people. And in other cases it was literally like texting people, you know, an hour before saying, Hey, come here. And, um, and then this, this magical thing would just unfold. People would show up into a room and nobody would have any idea why they were there, including me. There's no agenda. It's just that there's something, something amazing is happening on the planet right now. Everybody feels it. Um, every slice of human uh, interest is trying to own it. And the politicians are trying to own it. The, the, uh, the techies and the coders are trying to own it. The artists are trying to own it. The spiritual people are trying to own it. But nobody fucking owns this thing. This is evolution, and it's happening faster than we ever thought possible. And for you know, an hour and a half, two, three hours, there would just be this dialogue, more of a monologue really, but it would just be this, this, uh, this conversation would just unfold. And man, we, we, took, uh, we, we took conversation, I think, farther than, than it's ever been before. Mm. in so many ways. Um, you know, powerful. one of the fascinating aspects of it to me was that it's happening in real time. Like you said, there's no agenda. It's not like you planned a, a speech. It's not like giving a talk. No. Um, <laughs> but, but, it, but, you're, but, you know, any, every one of them is live, right, on, on Facebook. Yes. And, and so as a performer, I'm curious – because I would think if, if I did the same thing, I'd be taking sort of my act out there and nurturing it and having it evolve. My, my bits would evolve, right? Mm-hmm. Was there an element of that where it's like, okay, these themes keep reoccurring and they're taking new shape and this is the, did sort of like developed pieces kind yep. of come out of it or yep. was it? Yeah. That's a yeah, great, great question. Um, and, and I remember two specific times uh, where that happened, you know, where, where uh, I was in Phoenix and this whole thing started to, to develop around, um, well, the, the topics don't even matter. It's just, just the, the way that this, that this structure happened. And it was just such a, uh, a um, there was just such a resonance with people. And people are just like crying and they're mm-hmm. laughing and they're like, holy shit, I, I never realized it was that simple. And people are, you know, writing later saying, I, I just let go of 30 years of mental sludge in mm-hmm. two hours at a free event. It was like incredible. And so you see that as a teacher, as a performer, and you're like, okay, that landed. And then the, I remember the next night in Boulder, bringing the same theme back, but it just wasn't the same. It's, it still landed for people. They still got great value out of it. But that was a real interesting moment for me that, that if, it, if it wants to happen, it'll happen. And I can't force it. Um, with practice, I can. 
you know, with training and repetition and practice and polishing, you know, we can make it look effortless and natural and just be consistent as hell. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me that, that killed the muse. And so I, after that, I stopped trying. Wow. That's fascinating. Incredible. So now you're in, as I mentioned up at the top, one of the greatest investments I made, look, it's been my experience in this business that one of the truest potentially hackneyed slogans is that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Some, there have been times where I have very purposely, uh, purposefully sought a mentor, but there have been other times where the, someone appeared and it nagged at me that I need this person. I don't, I have no idea why, but right now that's the name I'm pulling up and this is the person I'm reaching out to. That was the case with us. And a life-changing decision for me. And so I, 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 you're retiring now <laughs> from, from that phase of, of the kind of coaching you were doing. I want to try in just a couple minutes here, if you could. Can you, how do you explain, what is your USP, if, if I can reduce it sort of to that? When oh. people say, what is it you do, Jesse? How do you even begin to Yeah, gen- gen- Generally, the, uh, the best answer that I've ever found to that question came from uh, a, a friend of my, uh, of my former girlfriend. Uh, and, the, and the best answer I've ever heard, when somebody says, what do you what do? You do? Uh, I generally would just look at them and smile and say, about what? <laughs> That's perfect. That's that, usually buys, that usually buys enough time as a pattern interrupt to then kind of see, you know, what, what do you want to know? And so, um, yeah, I, as far as the USP, I, I uh, you know, the, the message that's really been landing for a lot of people lately, which seems to, to really ring true for me as well, um, nothing to hide, nothing to prove. Hmm nothing to hide, nothing to prove. And I think there's so much energy that goes into both of those behaviors. Um, and, and especially as marketers, you know, where you, where you, you know, profit or lose based on perception and experience. And, uh, you know, you and I both know that there's a lot of really great people out there with an awesome message who are still trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to reach their financial targets. And there's also a, a fair number of people who have absolutely cracked the money code and who require increasing amounts of it to pay for their addictions. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think if, if there is a USP, if there is a common theme to all of this, and, and also why I am retiring from teaching sales and marketing uh, is, is just that. Um, I, I have nothing to hide in terms of my, you know, I, I it, it's been an amazing run and I've, I've helped a lot of people make a lot of money mm-hmm. Certainly, in the you know in the in the history of of marketing, uh, of marketing greats, you know I'm probably still like a you know like an orange belt or you know or a green belt maybe, um, you know compared to the black belts of the world, you know I mean, stack me against you know <laughs> against a Gary Halbert or or Gary Bensavenga or Dan Sullivan, and I'm not, I don't even I didn't even put my white belt on yet. Well, I'll I'll interject there and say, but uh, I've studied everybody and everything to some degree and what you do is i I wouldn't even i think it's apples to oranges in in regard to that because what you do is uh, you take someone's very specific unique power and you help them harness it and optimize it so that they can help other people with it right and in its worst 
outpouring, this would people would say, "Oh, he's you know teaching coaches how to coach." Right, right, the, right, right. The joke our friend Ian Stanley does it's so so right on, right, right, right. right. You, you are the opposite of that in my in, in my experience, where it's it, yes, there are models to be modeled, but it, it it all that matters at the end of the day is is it real for you. And is it true for you? And yes. that's when it'll be effective. So yes. I, I don't know anyone who's entered your domain and come out the same person, uh, whether they're not, they, uh, you know, took the, the best action they could on those things. That's up to the individual, but I can't imagine anybody coming through your, your coaching and saying, yeah, um, I'm no better for it. This is not possible. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, so uh, yeah. Uh, well, to, to to that end, Kevin, I, I and I and I I super super appreciate the distinction, and I and that actually is a perfect segue into why I'm not teaching sales and marketing um, for the public anymore. You know, I'll still I still have private clients and dear friends and people that I'll that I'll continue to serve, but the um, it, it's just that, and you nailed it perfectly. The every single person has a unique frequency. Mm -hmm. Every single person has a unique resonance. And, uh, and I realized that my, uh, the, the particular brand of, of messaging that I would teach and that I would model and that, um, you know, people that I've worked with are getting great results from, uh, is, is, is just bigger than the sales and marketing world. And I had a, uh, an experience actually last week that just, man, fucking confirmed everything for me in just a ridiculous way. Uh, I'm still quite candidly a little bit um, kind of beautifully disturbed by it because it, it, uh, it put into scientific, empirical proof mm -hmm. things that I always felt and just never really knew how to, how to describe. I got hooked up to this brain machine at Dave Asprey's place up at 40 years of Zen. Mm. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going through this thing and, and, uh, to, to, to summarize the experience, the doc said that in 75,000 sessions, He's, never, he's only seen one other person with delta waves where mine were at. And uh, at one point during this, this week of training, um, I, I blew the circuits on the machine. The laptop crashed. <laughs> and and uh, he said he'd never seen that happen before. Wow. And he, he said, we need to, you know, if you want to do more training on this, and we can map your brain a little bit more. Uh, but he said, and this is a very, uh, you know, very, very, I mean, this guy's a scientist. Yeah. He said, you're with the way that your delta waves are spiking, like the average range is 12 to 15 and, and mine were spiking at 55, 56, 57. Mm. And he said, you, you can make things happen. And I said, yeah, I know. And I'm still thinking like action, you know? Mm. And he said, no, you, you can make things happen. Like from, from, you know, parking spots to, you know, millions of dollars to healing to, he said it in Delta, nothing's off limits. And uh, it, it, Kevin, it shook me, man. It shook me because I thought, yes, I know, but you're, it's weird to say that out loud. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It, 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 well, it's not something you can manufacture. It kind of just is, right? It is, um, but it's trainable, and that's what I found. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, I'm special. You're special. People listening to this are special, but I'm not special. Er, I just have have taken some some different thoughts um some different different ways of being i've said no to some things i've said yes to some things and it's resulted in this in this journey and so 
uh, I'm, I'm not doing anything that anybody else can't do. And that, and that's why I'm retiring from sales and marketing because mm. there's a bigger, there's a bigger thing that I have to get out there. So when you measure Delta, it is, it is something that your habits and your lifestyle and you can increase. It, it, it isn't just like DNA. It just is what it no, is. No, it's not, it's not DNA at all. Mm. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's not even an, an increase that in, in my experience, it's not an increase of any sort of power, physical, mm-hmm. mental, emotional, financial, social, sexual. No, there's no increase in power. Mm. The power is always there. It's a decrease in resistance. Mm. And so, you know, we're still breaking out of this Newtonian model of, of understanding, which says that, you know, we live in a dumb universe that somehow learned to become smart. Uh, the, the exact opposite is true. This is a, a very intelligent universe. We are in a very intelligent universe. And the more that we explore the edges of reality, the more we understand how unreal it actually is and that we are not just receivers and perceivers of reality. We are projectors of reality. And uh, it, it's the next couple of years are going to be extremely exciting, extremely fascinating, uh, and very, uh, very wonderful, wonderful for everybody who accepts what it is that their creative powers actually are. Mm. That's exciting, man. And that's full circle on Jack's great lesson of when you know something is right, you just need to go do it. Yeah, yeah. Love it. All right, Jesse, thank you for this. I want to ask you the essential question of this show. Yeah. And it's perfect timing because you're sort of moving on. (laughs) But Jesse Elder, what is the one thing you've done in your marketing that has produced the most surprising results? First time I went to a conference in this new iteration of my existence, I'd sold the karate schools. I was you know, thinking, okay, how do I consult, coach, whatever this is going to be. And uh, I, would, I would find myself at a, at a conference, people coming up saying, so what do you do? And I, t- I did the exact opposite thing um, that I'd heard about, read about. I didn't have an elevator pitch. I didn't have a USP. I ignored the question when they said, what do you do? I ignored the question and I smiled and I would look at them and I would say, what do you do? And then I would shut up and listen intently and do everything I can to be hyper present and I would listen to this person's words, but I would just more than anything, try and feel what they are, who they are. And I would imagine them, this, this is some woo-woo shit, except I guess it's not woo-woo if it produces results 100% of the time. Right. And I would just listen to what they were saying without interjecting, without saying anything, not even agreeing. Just listen, just blank slate, just let, let them project, let them project, let them project, and just hold space. And invariably, at the end of these conversations, invariably, the person would say, you know, I I think you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. And that's Mm. without me saying a word. Mm. And that's when I got it, man. That's when I got it. Yes, everybody's favorite subject is themselves. Yes, having someone give you their undivided attention, someone who's hyper-present, who can subdue their own ego long enough to actually create space for your energy to come forward. That is emotional and spiritual oxygen and people are starving for it. Mm. So instead of crafting the perfect message, how about create the perfect space? And uh, that's been by far the most 
counterintuitive thing I've ever experienced. Wow. <laughs> Somehow I knew that would be a great answer. <laughs> Instead of crafting the perfect message, how about creating the perfect space? Jesse couldn't be a bigger fan. And as you as a, as a, a human being, a person, a, a performer. I love watching your live videos. You're the first one to pop up in my stream on Facebook. Oh, and uh, I will continue to watch your journey and uh, applaud you both from the sidelines and hopefully soon again from the couch. Uh, we've, uh, we've, we've got a cigar in our future, Kevin. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pal. Thanks so much for doing this. And My uh, pleasure. We'll Thank talk you. again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash T-A-M, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com, and I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.